What's up? This is the Jam Plan Podcast. I'm Westside Jordan, and I'm here with BNKD. What's up? And we're going to talk about Nas's album, Stillmatic. And uh, let's just get right into the history. Uh, so at the time uh, of the recording, Nas was definitely starting to lose his touch in the industry. A lot of people were definitely doubting if he was ever going to make an album as good as Illmatic or even half as good as Illmatic ever again after the release, especially after the releases of I Am and Nostradamus. Uh, they were both critically re- not received very well. Um, and he was kind of using this album as a way to revamp his career again and to kind of uh, to kind of take his name out of the mud uh, because people were definitely not, uh, I wouldn't, they definitely were not paying him the same respect as they were uh, as right after uh, he released Illmatic in 1994. Um, and at the time of the recording, this was like 2000, 2001. Um, and another thing was that this was the peak of the Nas Jay-Z beef. Uh, we'll definitely talk about that more once we get to the track Ether. Um, and so, uh, and just because we've already covered Stomatic, we've already covered Illmatic, uh, I won't be going too in depth into the history of Nas, uh, just because we've already covered this so we'll just go straight into the singles the singles are rule uh got yourself uh which is pretty much got yourself a gun the flyest and one mic uh the producers there are a lot of producers on this track the producers on this album uh the producers are hangman three ron browse megahertz Nas himself precision large professor chucky thompson dj premier uh, Baby Paul, Mike Risco, LES, uh, Trackmaster, Lo-Fi, and Salam Remy. Uh, and then now we just jump straight into the track listing with the first track, the Stillmatic intro. Um, you know, for an intro, I think this is a really good track uh, because I just think the beat's really good and you could tell Nas is kind of back in his bag when it comes to the lyricism. Uh, and this song gives off like really serious New York vibes, uh, just with the beat. Uh, like the beat gives off really strong like New York early two thousands vibes, and uh, of course, um, strong lyricism by Nas, like he always brings in pretty much all almost all of his songs. Um, so yeah, overall I thought this was a really strong way to start off the album, especially considering it's it's called an intro. And I forgot to mention that this was produced by Hangman 3. Uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on this track? So, yeah, I think this is a dope way to start off an album. It had me worried because when I... This is actually my second, I guess, third time listening to the beat when you know, listening to this song, you know, this track, basically. Because when I first listened to it, I thought this was just going to be him talking because when, when I think of the words intro, I just think someone's, like, talking or something similar to Cameron like Cameron come home with me and purple haze, how they have intro in the name. And it kind of tricks you. Cause it, it's like a short, like two, two minute, 12 second type of song, but I really like the song. This is a dope way to start off the album. I just love the cinematic beats, very New Yorkish, very early two thousands. What I got from the song was uh Nas just telling people who doubted him. He's back and stuff. And I also want to, Comment on the album cover. I think it's really horrendous, <laughs> to be honest. 
Uh, like yeah. it just looks really photoshopped and stuff, but that's beside yeah. the point. <laughs> you, know, you have you have Nas, you have like Nas and like this like yeah like orange tracksuit. Um, yeah, and then like there's like a pigeon right next to him, and like right behind him is like the skyline of New York. Um, yeah, yeah, I would not. Yeah, definitely not the strongest artwork. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would also, but like uh, back to the track, I I kind of wish it was longer. It's like only like two minutes long. Exactly. Um, I kind of wish it was a little bit longer. Just kind, I've kind of wish it was more than just an intro. I kind of wish it was a um, just kind of like a, its own track on its own. Like just kind of like a full chorus and at least two verses on it, so yeah, that's what I w- would have liked to have heard. Um, and if you're done with your thoughts, I can I'll move on to the next track. Oh, I just had uh, just my favorite lyrics are "I know the streets thirst water like Moses," so that was a lyric that stood out to me. So dope way oh, yeah. to start off the album. We're starting off pretty strong, in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely started off very strong. Um, really good beat. So then we move on to Ether. Uh, this is a song that is dissing Jay-Z. Um, and if I had to compare this track to The Takeover, I would say that The Takeover was maybe produced a little bit better. I agree. Um, but I would say that Nas made it, just took it to a more personal place. I think, <laughs> I don't know, I would definitely say Nas definitely, if it was a freestyle against each other, I think Nas would have won it without take the beat out. Nas definitely, I feel like, kind of destroyed Jay-Z a little bit in a way. Um, especially when the line, when Nas says, uh, like, he kind of, like, alludes to the fact that, um, you know, he's he says, like, name a rapper who's not influenced by me. Uh, like, that's just 100% true. Like, if you're a rapper who even, like, you know, gives, like, a single fuck about lyricism <laughs> you're inspired by Nas like let's be honest like yeah. you listen to Nas you don't listen to Jay-Z I and mean, look Jay-Z definitely has his place in lyricism but Nas is the guy you go to when you're heavily inspired to write great lyrics um and I forgot to mention that this is produced by Ron Browse um so same dude that did Ebonics yeah um so yeah, I would definitely say that the takeover as a song is a little bit better, but as a diss track, I would definitely say that Ether serves as a better diss track compared to the takeover, in my opinion. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I just wanted to build off of what you said about Jay-Z, about lyricism. He's in my top 10, but I do agree with you that Nas is a very superb lyricist compared to Jay-Z. I feel like Jay-Z is kind of those dudes that are kind of trendsetters, so whatever... I, I hate to compare him to Drake, but he, him and Drake are kind of similar because whatever is popular, Jay-Z is going to bite off of. He's known for biting Biggie's rhymes. He even talks about, Nas even talks about it in an ether about how like Jay-Z bites like Biggie's rhymes and all that. But I, comparing this to Takeover, I do think Ether lyrically is better than, than Takeover because like you said, Nas is more, personal it comes off more childish but in like a funny way it's not like no middle school shit which is like your mama's fat type of shit you know yeah <laughs> but yeah but i i do agree with the beat i feel like this track is a little overrated in my opinion i know people are gonna lynch me and stuff this didn't make my top five but i feel like the beat is a good beat but it's nothing like super special it feels like if you just listen to it over and over it's gonna become like really repetitive because the beat is very, like, simplistic, you know? Like, when it comes to TakeOver, it has, like, a more umph to the beat. Like, it's more, like, 
rock inspired or something like that. But I do think Nas won the battle. Like if you like you said, if you take the beat away, Nas would just annihilate him. You know, I I wish the beat was a little bit better. But I I there's so much lyricism on here that I really like. So my favorite lyrics are. When these streets keep calling, I heard it was when I was asleep that this Gazy and Cockafella records want a beef. You seem to be only concerned with dissing women. Were you abused as a child, scared to smile? They called you ugly. Put it together. I rock hoes. You rock fellas. Foxy got you hot because you kept your face in her puss. <laughs> what do, what you think you getting girls now because of your looks? Negro, please. You no mustache having with whiskers like a rat. RLC get gunned up and clapped quick. JJ Evans get gunned up and clapped quick. Your whole damn record label gunned up and clapped quick. Sean Carter to Jay-Z, damn you on Jazz Dick. So little shorties getting gunned up and clapped quick. How much Biggie Rhymes is coming out your fat lips? So those are lyrics that stood out to me. It's very brutal, honestly. Yeah, definitely. There would be like later. Very brutal. Uh, I guess like another thing yeah. that I do find kind of interesting about the whole like Nas Jay Z beef thing is that both of them they come from somewhat kind of similar backgrounds in the sense that like they're both born in the projects in New York. It's just that Jay Z's from the Marcy projects in Brooklyn, whereas Nas is from Queensbridge, uh, obviously in Queens, uh, which I just kind of find kind of interesting because they do have some parallels in their life. It's just that they're just born in different boroughs and just, I guess, did not get along. At first, of course, as we find out later in their careers, they do start working together and kind of put the beef away. Yeah. So now I just wanted to... Can I comment real quick? Yeah, no problem. On something. So Jay-Z would later respond in his 2002 album, Blueprint Number 2. I think the track was, was called Blueprint 2. Then Nas would later respond in his i think it was 2002 album god's son and the song is called last real nigga alive they were squash and they would make a song called black republicans i think on nasa's hip-hop is dead i think it came out like 2006 2007 so i just wanted to put that out there yeah yeah i, I actually i kind of like that track black republicans it's a pretty good track actually yeah i think it's a pretty good track very um, cinematic yeah very um yeah so now I move on to the third track, Got Yourself uh, and Dot Dot Dot, uh, produced by Megahertz. Um, for this, I feel like the beat is really good with a really good sample. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a lot about like violence and intimidation uh, and also just the violence that goes on in a neighborhood like Queensbridge. Um, and I guess I can make a little fact about this track is the, the sample. I don't know if you watch the TV show, The Sopranos, but the sample is from the song that they use as the theme track for The Sopranos, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, so yeah, I thought that this track was really good. Um, and once again, Nas, uh, is in his bag lyrically and, um, yeah, and I feel like the production is really good. So, yeah, I thought that this was a really strong track, once again, by Nas. I agree. This track made my top five, and I think this is another dope song. I love the chorus, too, the sample chorus. And my favorite lyrics are, Who am I? The back twister, lingerie ripper, automatic leg spreader, quicker brain getter. So those are lyrics that stood out to me. I just like the beat because it sounds kind of like very churchy, organ-inspired. Those are the vibes that I got from it, at least. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and and then we move on to the track "Smoking," uh, produced by Nas and Precision. Uh, for me, this track gives me really strong like mafia vibes. Uh, "Got Yourself a Gun" also kind of gives me mafia vibes, but "Smoking" also it gives me really strong mafia vibes, especially with that part where uh, Nas is kind of like taking an oath and stuff like that. Um, but I would say that overall, it's not a beat or a flow that aged super well uh, in today's <laughs> market. Uh, but I could see how it was kind of like, you know, I could see how it was kind of like hot shit in like, you know, the 2000, 2001 era. I could see how that was kind of like the hot sound back then. But I don't know. Today, when you listen to it, you could definitely hear uh, its age. You can definitely tell it's from 20 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But it kind of continues the mafia vibes that you kind of get off of a lot of the tracks on here that will, that I will uh, kind of talk about later. Um, so I would definitely say this is probably not one of the strongest tracks on the album for sure. Um, but I could see why someone would think it was good in like 2000, 2001. Exactly. So my thoughts on this track, I think, what I got from it, it's basically a weed smoker song. To be honest, I, did, I didn't care for the beat, similar to what Westside Jordan said in the, in the song in general. And the chorus was pretty awful, just like the whispering. And this is a song that I could have done without. This is basically like the first stud on this, this whole album so far. It's not as strong as the first three tracks, in my opinion. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, do you have any favorite lyrics? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that tells it. I guess that tells the whole story right there. Um, and so now I move on to track number five, "You're the Man," by produced by a large professor. Um, I I really like this track. I think that the 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 sample that they use is really good. Um, and I and I think once again, Nas definitely has good lyricism. Uh, and I definitely, the vibes I get from this track is that it's kind of like, even though the title is kind of like talking about like being the man, uh, it almost seems like it's kind of lonely being at the top. It sounds like from the sounds of this track, uh, it's a very sad sounding track. It's almost sounds like, you know, being someone that everybody kind of depends on is, or kind of looks up to is all, is not the best thing to ever, it's not the best thing. Um, cause you know, people have high expectations of you, um, you know, like they say, heavy's the head that wears a crown, um, and uh, I think th- I think I feel like this track definitely comes from like Nas's emotion after kind of being the kind of like being labeled as like the king of you know being one of the kings of New York uh, after releasing Illmatic and just kind of like the pressure that came after that, and especially after coming out with albums that were just not very well received. So I just wonder if this track kind of comes from that feeling of kind of. It'd be having those really high expectations and uh, not being able to always live up to that, uh, especially after you know re- releasing a classic album like Illmatic. Uh, so that's just kind of like my psychoanalysis of this song. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm glad you were on the podcast and requested this because I I didn't really get any of that from the song. I just thought it was like more of a <laughs> braggadocial song. <laughs> Overall, it's just a it's a great song. It did make my top five. I just like the dreamy sort of beat that was produced by a large professor. And my only gripe with the song is the repeating lines where he says, I'm the N, the A to the 
S-I-R. If I wasn't, I must have been Escobar, which was previously used in Got Yourself a Gun. And my favorite lyrics are, Broads play with pentagrams in their vagina, whatever the fuck that means. So, yeah. Yeah, and also that uh, that that uh, that flow you're talking about is also a flow taken from Rakim. Oh, yeah. What was yeah. the song called again? We uh, did an album review. Yeah, we did. It was, review. On it, was, it was on Pain and Full. I forgot exactly what track it was on, but... Yeah, that's a that is I don't it's not a ripoff, but it's it's him using that same flow. In homage. Yeah, in homage, definitely. Not a ripoff, homage is a difference. Um, oh, as the rhyme goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Called. Uh really good song, by the way. That song's really good. Um Pump it up, homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> um and then we move on to track number six, Rewind, also produced by Large Professor. Um this track is kind of interesting because I feel like it's one of Nas's like strongest displays of lyricism on this album. One of them, not that's one of them. I'm not gonna say it is the strongest, um, <laughs> just because of like how he's able how he's able to tell a story in complete reverse and to uh, you know say sentences whole sentences in complete reverse, um, which I finally which I feel like is def- definitely shows shows that. Nas has crazy lyricism skills. However, if I had to say one kind of one gripe I have with this song is that I don't think it's the most useful song in it. It definitely shows strong lyricism, but I wouldn't say it's it's the most necessary track on the album. Okay, I just wanted to comment on just uh, the S the N I N A S S R vibe. It's funny that you brought it up about the Rock Him because he did a he did a song on uh, the Streets Disciples. It's called the UBR uh, Autobiograph, something of Rock Him, basically. So he's just paying homage to him. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. So my thoughts on Rewind is basically what Westside says that Nas tells a story backwards from the beginning, no, the end to the beginning. And to be honest, the story is nothing like special or interesting, but I just like how he how it goes above and beyond makes like a just a standard story into something that's unique because he tells it backwards and it's a very short track i think it clocks in i think it clocks in at two minutes and 10 seconds or something like that and yeah so my i like the song the beat does kind of have like an 80s vibe too i'm not sure if you got that from it uh west side but yeah and my favorite lyrics are bobbed her head, then spitting up back in my dick. Started sucking with no hands, a whole lot of spit, then got up and put her bra back on her tit. So <laughs> those were lyrics that stood out to me. Yeah, he's pretty much yeah. describing a blowjob in reverse. <laughs> not really something you hear too much. Uh, yeah. Not not something you hear every day on a rap song. But hey, that's that that like i said that definitely shows Nas's lyricism skills um to be able to tell us about a blowjob in reverse <laughs> very um yeah very unique way to tell tell that story um <laughs> and then we move on to track number 7 one mic produced by Nas and Chucky Thompson uh this track is it has a very simple beat but man it's it has a really intense sound to it uh, almost like as the track keeps on progressing, the beat kind of gets louder and louder, and then Nas's flow gets faster and faster. And it's almost kind of like, uh, you know, it's it's definitely about how Nas, no matter what, he's trying to seize the opportunity, and it's almost like 
he's fearing that he's losing the opportunity. So he, he's like, it's almost like he's, he's expressing that emotion of lose of, not, of trying not to lose the opportunity and trying to seize the moment in a way. Um, and I feel like once again, also kind of is this, this emotion is stirred up from uh, the high expectation created by Omatic. And it's almost like Nas is afraid that he's going to lose this opportunity um and also it feels like it's Nas's way to tell us that he's going back to his roots all he needs is like one mic uh, in order to succeed uh, he doesn't need all the the you know all the fancy stuff that's going on especially at that time with all the advancements uh all he needs is just to uh be himself and tell his own story that's kind of what I got from this track yeah I got similar this is kind of like Nas's version of lose yourself in a way they kind of have like parallel themes in my opinion and this is definitely Nas's more experimental songs not from the beat alone but from his flow how he starts off rapping calm and then it gets aggressive then calm again and vice versa and this is like a conscious track and it's just telling Nas is telling the audience how he wants to live like a simple life and he talks about problems that plague his community overall this is a dope song and this did make my top five my favorite lyrics are don't want to see me on the top two egotistical talking all that slick shit the same way these bitches do. So, yeah, those are my favorite lyrics from this song. I kind of like that you brought up that you, it's kind of like an experimental track because it is an experimental yeah. track, but it's not. It's, it's like Nas tried to experiment with something, but he experimented too with something. Field. Yeah, he didn't not too like crazy, not too not something that would be uh, something he can't handle himself. Um, yeah. it's experimental, but it is within his skill set and something that his own fans would like. It's not, he's not like he's going crazy experimental and he's, and he's losing his fans because of it. Um, he definitely, uh, it's almost like it's, it's not an Illmatic sound by any means, but it's almost like he's trying to take it back to Illmatic in the sense of how Illmatic was revolutionary, but still, you know, uh, reasonable to listen to at the same time. Exactly. So that's kind of what. I'm kind of glad that you brought that up, that it was experimental, because I I didn't really think about it that way until you brought it up, and then it kind of stirred a few thoughts in my head, so I'm glad you brought that up. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, and so now we move on to track number eight, Second Childhood. Um, the, I think the beat on this track is super good. Um, and I really like the story that's telling, because um, it's kind of talking about, like, guys who kind of, like, they, they hustle in the streets, and they... You know, it's almost like they grow up so fast to the point where they, um, it's kind of weird. It's like they grow up so fast to the point where certain aspects of their, their brain were not able to develop into adulthood in some ways. Um, kind of just like, because, you know, when, when like, you know, when you're raised by the streets, it's almost kind of like, uh, you lose your childhood. So it's almost like you act out in, uh, some type of way sometimes because you were not, you were never really able to have that childhood, um, so I thought that was a really interesting thing that Nas was definitely tackling in this track, uh, because Nas, I feel like Nas, like now that I think about it, I feel like Nas is definitely, this is him getting a little bit more, uh, not just introspective, but kind of like making a lot of social commentary on this album in a way. Um, and this was produced by DJ Premier, just to let the people know. Uh, so I thought that this track was really good, and I really liked uh, the message that it had behind it. Okay, so 
Yeah, what I got from it, Nas is reminiscing on his childhood. It's kind of similar to Memory Lane on Illmatic, just like the subject matter wise. And this is a solid DJ premiere beat. This is far from his best work. And I think sadly, this is the last time they, they would ever work together. And I, I wish the beat was a little bit better. It's a it's a solid beat, but like I said, it's not one of uh, DJ Premier's best work. It's a little too slow for me because I'm used to more of the like hard edge boom bap type of beats, not much of like the soulful beats, but it's still a good beat in my opinion. And yeah, so overall, I think it's a good song, solid song. But yeah. All right, we move on to track number nine, Destroy and Rebuild, produced by Bobby Paul and Mike Risco. Uh, I've definitely like uh, this is probably one uh, well, not one of my favorite tracks on the album. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's it's mostly about you know unifying Queensbridge. Um, yeah, I mean, I really didn't get a lot a lot out of this track for me. I, I could kind of see where Nas was kind of trying to go with it. I think he was trying to like un- unify his neighborhood, but also like I feel like he was also trying to like diss some modern rappers um i don't know i feel like this is also one of the i feel like this was definitely a little a little bit of uh just a little bit of a mess up on the album a little bit in my opinion it wasn't one of uh the stronger songs in the album that's my thoughts yeah i definitely agree with you this is another diss track and nas takes shots at nature and nature is part of the firm and cormega we talked about Cormega. We did one like a Cormega album review last season. We did the realness. And yeah, so Cormega and Nas had beef because Cormega was kicked out the firm by Nas and all that. And then he takes shots at Prodigy. And Prodigy took shots at um, Nas on the song Done and Kicko. Same with Cormega. That was on the Cormega album, The Realness. And. Yeah, I to be honest, this beat is pretty trash in my opinion. It's definitely a product of its times. It sounds like something from the early 2000s, not in a good way. And the producer, interesting enough, Baby Paul, he's actually part of the group, the Beat Miners, who's like a, they're in-house producers for the boot camp clicks. So like Helta Skelta, uh, Smith and Wesson, just like other um, members of the boot camp clip. And this is really disappointing because they, they actually produce really good shit, but I don't know why they, this is definitely a fuck up on their part. Like this beat, like baby Paul makes a lot of like dark beats. And this one just sounded really like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just very, it's trash in my opinion. You know, This is definitely another dud on the album. This is by far probably one of the worst tracks on this album, in my opinion. And this is a corny song. It seems like he's trying to do like a slick Rick thing with the British accent. He's like telling the story and all that. And just came off really trash in my opinion. So yeah, a dud in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And he was also trying to uh, like use that same flow from the song The Bridge Is Over. Uh, yeah. Just track against Queensbridge from like, I think it was like the late 80s. Um, so Way better like, than this shit. <laughs> yeah, I would def- I'd probably have to say that that track was better than Destroy and Rebuild. Um, so that leads us to, um, track number 10, The Flyest. Um, this also has kind of like another, like, mafioso kind of sound to it. I got that um, too. And this one's featuring AZ, um, which was on Illmatic. Uh, and I feel like the, the chorus on this track was really good. 
um, and the sample was also really good. So I thought this was a really strong track on the album. It didn't make my top five, but I thought it was definitely, uh, it definitely brought the album back on track after Destroy and Rebuild. Um, <laughs> and then this this track was produced by LES. So what are your thoughts? So yeah, LES, they did, they're known for taking like R&B samples like they did for Lisa Bitch. And this is another braggadocial track. This is essentially still Maddox's version of Life of a Bitch because they pay homage to it in the intro for this this song. And because AZ is on the track as well. And compared to Lisa Bitch, this definitely pales in comparison. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to top Lisa Bitch and Illmatic in general. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, overall, this is a good song. My biggest gripe is the corny-ass chorus by shailene thomas like talking about big dicks or some shit just fucking corny in my opinion <laughs> but yeah this is a good song if you get rid of the hook this is a great song <laughs> <laughs> all right so now i move on to um braveheart party featuring mary j blige and the bravehearts um this was not this was not really a track that was kept on the album like it's not on a lot of the versions but it is it was originally part of the album uh and so here are my thoughts there are that thank god this track was taken off of the <laughs> dude this track is what the hell what is this um like i like why like what is like i just it sounds so, it doesn't even sound like early 2000s. Like, I feel like people in the early 2000s knew, would have said, man, this, this track is, sounds like it's from like the late 90s. Like, man, this is, this track is god awful. Um, I'm not going to take this track into the real consideration of the scoring of the album just because it's not really, it's kind of like a track that like people don't really know about most of the time just because it's not, it was taken off of the album pretty early on. Uh, for obvious reasons, because it's just so horrible. Um, the chorus by Mary J. Blige especially is just, man, it is, oh man, it's pretty bad. Like, like, like a uh, little, little side note, a little behind the scenes thing here is that, uh, so B and Katie here had me, made me listen to this track. <laughs> I wanted to get the full experience of it. This is my first time listening to this song. Yeah, he texted me, he said, you got to listen to this. And I was like, all right. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I got, I listened to it and man, it is, I was like, man, this is, this is bad. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what are your thoughts? All right, so I just want to give background on it. So this album was in the original press scene of Stillmatic, but it was removed in 2002 because Mary J. Blige didn't, she said it was an incomplete song. And they also quoted it as personal reasons. So I don't know what that means, but she just said it was an incomplete song. And I think there was a lawsuit because Nas wanted it on there or something like that. I don't know why the fucking lawsuit was there in the first place, man. Just take that shit off, man. I'm glad they did. In my pressing of it, I don't, I do not have this song, thankfully. And this was produced by Swizz Beats, who did shit for DMX, man. This is a total fucking 180 in the wrong direction. This is just a terrible ass song. This makes Jigga, Jigga My Nigga look like NY State of Mind, bro. This is just fucking horrendous, man. Jesus Christ, man. Fuck you, Mary J. Bly. <laughs> God damn it, man. 
And this this is just a laughably this is a laughable chorus and a laughably bad East Asian beat because during the early two thousands there's this trend that this whole East Asian bullshit where everyone wanted a beat that sounded like East Asian. So you got shit like ass like that, um, Jig of my nigga, Braveheart Party, and just some other stuff. And uh, the people that did the East Asian beat really good was Eric Sherman on React. And then Nori on nothing. But other than this, this is a terrible ass song, bro. Like fucking Christ, man. I'm not I'm not gonna be here all day to discuss this, but I'm so glad this got taken off the album. I don't know why Wiz Beats ever decided to make this shit, man. But yeah, this is a really shitty song in my opinion. Yeah. Um Yeah, I was kinda surprised that Nas wanted to put this on the album considering he was trying yeah. to make a comeback. Um, exactly that's what i'm saying like yeah. he, he's all like anti-mainstream and then he's trying to make something that's trying to appeal to the masses and try to make like a club banging and it just turned out shit man <laughs> so yeah luckily it got taken off um quickly uh so, <laughs> yeah yeah this song man not on spotify say, either let's just so say glad. when i was listening to this album i did not listen to this this song at first and so but yeah, so there's there's some behind the scenes stuff about this, about why I had to listen to this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this track, man, just wow. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Um, we'll put it in the link below. Um, yeah, yeah, man, just it's this just, is just, ear rape right here, just, man. Just just <laughs> just just get a little listen to it, and yeah, and then like when I was listening to this track. Sorry to go off topic here, but I was listening on this track. I was looking at like the YouTube comments on this because I was like, damn, who's listening yeah. to this? Uh, and like, there are people on there that were like, man, this track's really good. I'm like, man, mm. who, why? Like, Those are dick riders, man, man not dick riders. Either, either that or they're freaking masochists. I mean, please, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's let's move on to so let's move on to the real music now. Um, Hell yeah, man! <laughs> so we move on to Rule. Um, I really liked this track. Um, I thought that the the chorus was done really well. The sample is done really well. Uh, I do prefer the uh, on. Uh, I do prefer the song that Nas did with uh, Lauren Hill, which was on Rule the World. I thought that was. A lot better, but Rule I also think is I think Rule is also a really good song, um, with a really good message to it. Um, this was produced by Trackmaster, uh, and the song made my top five. I thought it was really good. So yeah, what are your thoughts? So, my thoughts is it's another conscious track from Nas. I feel like halfway through the album it becomes more conscious stuff. Like the first half is just like more braggadocial stuff. And this focuses more on the conscious element of uh, Nas. So yeah, he's just talking about issues, America faces, dope song, solid chorus. And my favorite lyrics are how can the president fix other problems when he can't, he ain't fixed home yet. And like you said, this is basically this version of if I rule the world with a better beat, I know I'm going to get lynched for that, but I'm not the biggest fan of If I Rule the World. I think it's an overrated song. I just don't like how glossy and poppy the beat is, you know. If the beat was a little bit different, I would like it. But overall, I think this slightly has a better beat, you know. But yeah, this is a good song. 
All right. And then I, I don't know if I forgot to say this, but it was produced by Trackmaster. Um, yeah, Track, same people that did If I Roll the World. I think so. Or is it LES? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> then we move on to My Country, um, which is, this is also another uh, conscious song once again. Um, and it's just kind of talking about like how, you know, the United States is kind of really screwed over a lot of people within its own country, especially if you are, uh, especially, especially the non-white people of this country about how this United States, how the United States has really screwed people over. Um, a lot of people are going to get mad at me because, you know, I'm talking shit about America, but let's be honest, it, it's, America has not always been innocent. Uh, and this is definitely talking about that. And I thought that this track was really good. Uh, the message in it, uh, just kind of talking about how like the United States has really screwed over, uh, people of color. Um, and just poor people in general. Um, and this is produced by Lofi or Lofi. I don't know how, how they produce, how they pronounce it. <laughs> um, I hope it's Lofi because Lofi sounds a lot better than Lofi. Um, so yeah, I thought this track was really good. Uh, and I really like the message behind it. I think Nas was definitely another song where I feel like Nas was really in his bag. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on it. Well, yeah. So basically what Westside Jordan says is it's just talking about like the issues with the U.S. government in general. I'm just leaving it at that. I think this is a dope song. The chorus, in my opinion, is kind of shit because it's very whiny for me, in my opinion. But yeah, this is a, another dope song. I think this might have made my uh, top top five or so. I don't know yet, but we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we move on to what goes around. Um, Oh, this track was pretty good. Um, it was strong, but I mean, I wouldn't put it, I did not put it in my top five. Uh, it was just kind of, I feel like it was one of those tracks that didn't really, it didn't add too much, but it also didn't take away anything from the album. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty good track. That's just my thoughts on it. Okay. So I, I lied. My country's not on my top five. I was confusing <laughs> with something else. <laughs> All right. So my thoughts on what goes around. So Nas is just talking about like the poisonous aspects of society. I think that's very using it as a metaphor for drugs, religion, prescription drugs, and the education system. This is a great track, and this did make my top five. And my favorite lyrics are thinking a perm or bleaching cream will make them better when they're gorgeous white girls tanning, lip suction, fake titties are implanted, fake lips, that's life, destruction, light-skinned women, biracial, hateful toward themselves denying even their blood the indians saved the pilgrim and in return the pilgrim killed killed him they call it thanksgiving i call your holiday hell day because i'm from poverty neglected by the wealthy so i thought those were lyrics that stood out to me all right so now we move on to every ghetto the last track uh on the album um I feel like this track is definitely really good. I like the chorus on this track. Um, and also, it kind of continues a similar uh, subject matter to My Country. Um, so yeah, I thought this was another really good track, and I feel like it was definitely a strong track to end the album on. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts. So yeah, my thoughts on this song. These So the last two songs... So what goes around in every ghetto, I believe, are bonus songs. So if you got like the OG pressing, it would end with my country. I believe so. I could be wrong, but 
think so. <laughs> but my thoughts on this song is that Nas and Blitz are talking about their experiences growing up in the ghetto. This is a dope song, dope way to end off the album. This song did make my top five. Well, all right, that concludes our uh, our review of the track listing of Stillmatic by Nas. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention that Rule, the female singer, is Amory. Uh, I forgot to say that, so I just wanted to make sure. She did that, one thing, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, did, I haven't right? really followed her career too heavily. Um, yeah, she did do one thing. All right. So uh, do you want to give your final thoughts on the album? Yeah, so so the question does Stillmatic mark the return of Nas? I mean, I wasn't alive for this shit, so I didn't really hear it. I mean, I was only like three months old, but does it live up to the hype? I would, I would say like, yes, but it's not on the level of Illmatic. Like you're, I think it's a little disrespectful trying to name it after Illmatic just to get more fans to come back, even though it sounds nothing like Illmatic. So I think that's misadvertisement right there. Just trying to lie to the fans to get like, to make your career like a comeback and for attention and stuff. So Stillmatic, in my opinion, does uh, mark the mark the return of Nas's former self, with like some modern improvements, like modern like like instrumentals and stuff like that. Nothing from the '90s. And like I said, I don't feel it's safe to call that album Stillmatic because it pales in comparison to Illmatic. Like the problem with Illmatic, it's it's such a like Nas set the bar so high that like every album is going to be compared to that. So sadly, that's just how it is, man. You should have never made Illmatic if that was the case. <laughs> but yeah, Illmatic will always be Nas's magnum opus. This this is probably like my third or fourth favorite Nas album after um it was written. And yeah. So compared to the Blueprint, since it came out the same year and it was Nas and Jay-Z, I like Blueprint a lot better like not lyrically wise but more of like production wise but i i still do think that stillmatic is a great album majority of the time like stillmatic isn't without its flaws like the obvious is some of the production choices <laughs> just to name a few tracks um let's see braveheart party destroy and rebuild and smoking so if you take those out the album would be probably really good though It'd be probably like a nine, nine point five, something like that. And yeah, some of the hooks were really bad on there. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like Nas has Nas and Eminem have the same thing where they suffer from hook syndrome, where they just have really bad hooks. Bad hook syndrome, I should call it. <laughs> and also bad beat syndrome. Same thing with Razcast. I mean, they're both really good lyricists, but they just have really trouble with like production and stuff. And yeah, some of the hooks turned a great song into a good song, and some of the hooks turned a good song into an okay song, and an okay song into a shit song. So yeah, and Nas is lyrically strong on here. I mean, he he flexes the lyrical muscles on Rewind, where he tells the story backwards, and he's more conscious than he is on Illmatic. So that's a plus one. I mean, he he talk, he uh, tackles more social issues, in my opinion. And the production here is very diverse, and I like it. And the guest appearances are solid. It's nothing special. I like AZ, but I think his verse was on Life of Bitch was way better. And the the um 
how do I say the features in my opinion, they didn't really help or they were like in the middle, you know what I mean? They didn't really improve or bring down the album. Some of them did with uh, the one from the flies, the female <laughs> vocalist. But yeah, my rating overall is I'm going to give this 8.5 gunned up and clapped quicks out of 10. And do you want me to give my uh, top five songs and buy a burn thing? You want me yeah. to wait for you? Yeah, you can give your top fives and uh, your buy Okay. Okay, so my top five songs is number five is be- is a toss-up between What Goes Around and Stillmatic, the intro. Number four is Every Ghetto. Number three is One Mic. Number two, You're the Man. And number one, Got Yourself a Gun. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate because, um, what was it? God damn it, I blinked out on the diss track song. Um, Ether, yeah, there you go. God damn it, <laughs> keep on forgetting shit. Yeah, people are going to lynch me because Ether is in my top five. That's just my opinion. You know, everyone has their own opinion. And would I buy or burn this one? This is one of Nas's best works, so I recommend a buy. It's pretty cheap. You can find it for like, I think, five to ten dollars. If someone's selling it for five hundred, they're probably ripping you off then. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, those are my thoughts on Stillmatic. All right, so my final thoughts on this album. so I guess I, I guess I don't know. I have to give my opinion on whether or not it lives up to the name. Um, look, Illmatic. Like I think I'm definitely gonna say everything that everybody else has said. Nothing new. Um, broken record. <laughs> broken. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's a broken record when it comes to this. Stillmatic is not as good as Illmatic, um, and if you think so, uh, you're probably lying to yourself. Um, <laughs> Illmatic is just so good. Um, it's not. It's not. I'm not trying to take away anything from Stillmatic. I'm just trying to add to what Illmatic was. Um, Illmatic was a freaking cultural phenomenon, in my opinion. Masterpiece. It is, it is. It is a like. Yeah, exactly. It is a. It is a masterpiece. Um, and this is a good album. This is a good album. Um, but like, like, and like you said, and like a lot of people have said. It, the fact that uh, that Illmatic is Nas's first album, uh, it's definitely it's definitely a hard thing to follow. Um, pause. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to follow. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's very difficult to follow Illmatic. Um, and then if I had to make some like more commentary as to the content of the album, I definitely do get a lot more mafia vibes from this album. You also, I feel like you also, in a way that in that you don't see in Elmatic, is that you almost you see um, Nas is able to express himself as more of a complex person in this album. Yeah, more conscious. Did. Yeah, exactly. And he also kind of explains some of his own emotions in a way in this album that maybe you didn't hear so much of in Illmatic. So I would definitely say that, like you said, is a plus for this album. So I guess that's the one thing he did better in Stillmatic than in Illmatic is he was, he was a little bit more, uh, he just kind of showed off that he was a little bit more of a complex, uh, you know, the content matter was a little bit more complex. Um, and then if I have to give my top five songs, five is the intro stillmatic. People are going to be like, why would you ever put an intro in the top five? Because the intro is an actual good song. That's why. Um, and then four is You're the Man. That's such a good track. Uh, three is One Mic. 
Uh, two is my country and number one is rule. Um, and I would have to give this album an 8.5 out of 10. Hell and, yeah, man. And I would definitely have to definitely agree. You should buy this album because like, like, uh, being KD said, this is not a hard to find album. This will not, this, if, if you go to your local, you know, CD store or whatever, or wherever you, or record store, wherever, wherever, if you want to buy a hard copy, if they don't have Illmatic. I mean, then you need to find another store. Um, <laughs> Because this album, it's very easy to buy. It's not hard to find. It's easily accessible. Um, yeah, so uh, I bought it. I own it. Um, Same. So, uh, so yeah. If you got the money and you want, and if you're thinking about buying this album, buy it. Uh, it won't. And like and like B and Katie said, it if it should not be too expensive. There's tons of <laughs> copies out there, and if someone's trying to sell it to you for fifty bucks. Man, they are lying to you. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so I guess we move on to my hot take. For yeah, I just want to say something real right, quick. No problem. Go ahead. This is one of these instances. Don't judge a book by its cover. I know the the album cover looks like dog shit. Don't don't think oh since the album cover is shit at the album shit. Just go based off. Just listen <laughs> to it. Give it a listen. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Yeah, the album cover, look, there's a lot to be desired with the album cover. Let's be honest here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's just say it's pretty rough. Like, I feel like, like, I understand that, you know, Photoshop was a little different in 2001, but I don't know. There's plenty of good album covers out exactly. there. So, and Nas is like, the, the thing with Nas is, Every album cover has to have his face on. I'm not sure if you noticed that. If you go to every album cover, it at least has his face on this. So I yeah. think he wanted to continue that trend. It kind of got really stale super fast, in my opinion. Yeah, except I don't think his face is on um, the Nasir cover. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I think I, it's just uh, little kids, right? Yeah, it's just a bunch of kids spelling out with their arms Nasir. Um, so I don't think yeah. his face is on that one. Um so yeah, I guess now we gotta move on to my hot take, which I guess is a hot take that I feel like a lot of people have tackled when talking about this album. But it's not so much more so just it's not just about nods, but how do you how do you feel is like the likelihood of rappers being able to kind of to be able to kinda of like come back to the industry after being kind of I don't know, not being taken as seriously as before. What do you think is the likelihood of most rappers actually making a comeback like Nas did? Nas has made like two comebacks in his career. He has he has one from this one and then he has uh the very recent one that has happened like this past year. Um so what do you think? King's of, like, disease. What? Yeah, yeah, with King's disease. Um what do you think is like the likelihood of just getting one comeback? What do you, what do you think about that? Especially in in rap music, not not just not not in like the whole music industry as a whole. I'm talking about in rap music. Well, back then, it was a lot easier to make a comeback because KRS One made a comeback, Nas made a comeback, um, Big Daddy Kane made a comeback. But if we're talking nowadays, like you're gonna be forgotten just like that as soon as you make a one dud. Your career is going to be in the toilet. Kind of like, well, no, actually he made a comeback, but I would say it's more slim than none. Because if you make like an awfully bad album, 
Like people are just gonna hold that against you. They're gonna like dangle it like a piece of meat. Pause, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> so my opinion, it's very slim, because a lot of hip hop fans are like super unforgiving. They'll only give you like one chance. They'll be like, "Oh, you shit is whack." And the problem with like comeback albums, in my opinion, is that you wait too long. So you're you're out of your prime. You waited twenty years to drop. Let's just say Illmatic number two. It's gonna sound like nothing like the original one because it's gonna be more modern. It's gonna have more of these like you're gonna try to go for a different audience. You're gonna try to go for a right array audience rather than your typical audience that was there from um, day one. So what I mean is like the the new school audience that gravitate towards more of like the trends of what's happening. So comeback albums. I know. I know you're talking about comebacks, but comeback has everything to do with comeback albums. So comeback albums are, in my opinion, are really tricky to do because you wait too long and you try to keep up with the times and you just look like an old man trying to dress young, in my opinion. <laughs> and no one wants to hear that shit. You, they just want to hear people their age rapping. So hip hop fans are really unforgiving, in my opinion, like I said, because they only give you one chance to shine, so you better not screw that up. And you're lucky if you get like a chance to redeem yourself. So I'll just say, if you're a rapper, listen to the album. Be like, would my fans like this shit? Don't try to keep up with the Joneses, because at the end of the day, they'll drop you just like that. Because they'll move on to the next thing that's more trendy. So you gotta, as a rapper, you gotta create your audience. Who do you want as your core audience and stay with that audience? Don't try to gravitate towards people that only listen to radio music and what's the like the top uh, billboard top 100 stuff. So to answer your question, comebacks are very tricky. I would say it's more 50 50. Like back then, no doubt you'll get a second chance. But now it's more of like unforgiven and stuff. They only listen to your older stuff, and not newer stuff. So you better you better like be careful in my opinion so yeah all right so here's, here's my thoughts on this and i think and if you, i definitely have quite a, i guess i have quite a few thoughts on this i think one of the reasons why nas was able to make um like make like a make a comeback was he was really young when he released illmatic so he was still like he was still 1920-ish like, yeah, he's still like he was still like you know 27 28 ish i don't know the exact age but 27 28 Jesus, 26 when this, was, <laughs> when this was released and so he was oh i thought you meant nomadic no 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 when this one oh, okay. was released so he was still a young guy which get so because he was so young when his at his you know what what many would consider his peak he was able to kind of make a comeback again because he had the time because he wasn't an old man yet um it wasn't like he released Illmatic at 28 and now he's like 38. I mean, dude, no, no, no offense, but once you reach 38 <laughs> years old, uh, you, I mean, you, not gonna be good. you, you better not have fallen off because you need to, you need to stay on that. Uh, you need to stay on that horse, brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, motivation speaker, right? Yeah, here. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. This podcast will turn into a motivational speech. Um, and then another thing is, I think it also has to depend on why you fell off. You know, I, because uh, luckily for Nas, the only reason why he kind of fell off was because, yeah, I mean, he made a few duds, 
but he was able to go to commercial. Kind of, he kind of brought it back because he was um he brought up the quality. Now let's say if Nas fell off and then he like let's say like Nas fell off and his music was doing bad and then he also got involved in a lot of controversies at that time. Yeah, he would have been done. He would have been the no one would have respected him anymore if he got involved in some cheating scandal or something like that. Dude, he would have been done. Uh no one would have no one would have heard anything from him ever again. But luckily that never happened for him and he was able to make a comeback. Um so that's just another thought is that you also have to you better hope that it's just the quality of your music that people are questioning, not your personality because if it comes out that you're like some jerk and you're making bad music you're done your career is done um boo boo yeah so so that's kind of like my thoughts on it yeah i'm also gonna title this episode in my opinion because i've been saying that shit a lot <laughs> <laughs> but yeah to, just to go off of uh what Westside jordan said is that age does pay a factor it, how do I say this? Age does play a role into hip hop. Like if you're old, no one's gonna give you the light of day. Like there's there's rappers that are still rapping that are 50 years old and they sound nothing like they were when you're younger because your breath control is no longer there. You have kids, you get too comfortable. You're making a lot of money, so you don't really have to try for music. So if Nas did drop Illmatic in like let's say when he was like 30 or something, and he drops Stomatic when, let's just say, 40 or 50. No one's going to be checking for him because he's old news. So you have to still have that fresh personality. You still have to come correct with the lyrics. You have to be really training like lyrical gymnastics. And, you know, you just want to be as lyrically gifted as you can, like from when you dropped your first album to when you are now. So you have to really study rappers nowadays. And you have to perfect your art. You have to write. Keep on writing and you get better. I know a lot of the times it doesn't make for rap. A lot of rappers because they only have like really one good album. And the rest are shit. So age does pay a factor, play a factor into hip hop. Because hip hop is a very ageist genre. Like when you hear rock and roll, you still have people that are 60 and 70 still rocking shows. When you're 50, you know, your back is going to be broken. <laughs> you're going to have kids. You're going to have a dad bod. You know, you're going to be married with children, and that changes you. Your perspective on lyricism. You're not as strong as you used to be because you're too comfortable. So, in my, in my opinion, for comeback albums, you, you have to study what made your, your first work really good and look at what made your bad work bad. That way you can find parallels to how you can improve on your artwork. And if people see that, People are going to go mostly based on singles. So if your single is hot, then people are going to most likely check your album. If you have a shit single, no one's going to check out your album. So you have to really plan out which songs are going to be your singles and how you want to release your singles. If people see that the singles are really good, then they're going to gravitate towards your audience. I mean, gravitate towards that album. And majority of the time, you're going to, you're going to lose like a majority of your audience from, from your shit show that you did, you know. <laughs> on your previous album so you just have to it's very it's very tricky making a comeback you have to be the right age you have to still be strong lyrically and those are the two factors that determine if the comeback album is going to be good or not or if people are going to accept the comeback and listen to it
Yeah, most definitely. Um, Hopefully, I made sense. Yeah, that I was that, like that going around sense. circles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, I definitely have to agree. Like, I, I mean, you are agreeing with what I said, so I mean, I can't really just say, "Oh, I disagree with this," because that would just be a little weird. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I definitely think, you know, when it comes to music and just the music industry in general, and especially in rap music, time is Fuck not that, on man. your side. <laughs> um, you have to be like a Jay Z or a Ice Cube or like a Nas or something like that. You have to be. No one's of, really checking for Ice Cube yeah. anymore. I mean, sure, honest. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's, no one's trying to peep the new Ice Cube, but you got to be like a Jay Z <laughs> in order for people to still really be looking for your new stuff. Um, yeah, you got to be an, you got to be a damn icon in order to, you know, be able to do that. Um, so yeah, um, so yeah, so pretty much when it comes to comebacks, you gotta. You gotta, you, you de- it's almost like you have to walk kind of like a fine line. You have to walk a fine line in that you have to, you have to act soon enough so that way you can rebound, but you also can't act too soon because people are still going to remember that bad shit you made and they're still going to, yeah. they still, they might not check out your new good stuff because they're Wait worried. a year or so. Yeah. They're going to be worried that's going to be just as bad as that crap you made, you know, two months ago. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, so that's definitely one of my thoughts on that. Um, so yeah, those are my overall thoughts on that. Uh, unless of course you have some other thoughts on that, we can go into the outro. Uh, no. All right. So hold on. Let me just pull up the schedule here real quick. Yeah, I'm going to title this episode in my opinion, <laughs> by the way. So when you next time you'll see us, uh, it'll be season three, episode five, uh, Hell Hath No Fury by Clips. Uh, this is a choice by B and KD. Um, so uh, until then, uh, see you guys later. All right, peace out. Take it easy.